I'm sure many of you have been told, don't bother searching for your symptoms on the internet. Dr. Google isn't always a reliable source of medical advice. But with me in the studio is Health Report producer Shelby Trainer, who's got a contradiction to that story. Yeah, well, I was wondering first, Norman, have you ever Googled your symptoms on the internet? That's a secret that will die with me. Oh, and, and, and maybe die because I got the wrong advice from Dr. Google. <laughs> well, I spoke to a community who actually didn't just find answers on the internet, they found a cure. Amy's parents knew something strange was going on with their daughter not long after she was born. Basically, every time they would feed me, I would just cry and cry and cry until I threw up. She was a fussy eater, slow to put on weight, and no matter what they tried, they couldn't get her to burp. When you're a kid, you don't really realise that you can't burp other than I mean, other people can kind of make themselves burp as like a party trick and you can't. And that's just like your normal. For me and for most people, I think it gets really bad when you hit that age where you start drinking alcohol, especially beer, just give you a lot of stomach and upper GI gas. And I think that was probably when I realized like, hey, I'm just not burping. Like I never burp. The inability to burp wasn't Amy's only symptom. I'd feel full easily when I would eat, so you'd kind of eat half a meal and you'd just feel full and want to stop. Or if I'd eat the wrong thing, I'd feel nauseous or vaguely nauseous. I, honestly, I felt sort of nauseous most of the time. She also felt a pressure in her upper stomach and her chest that sometimes escalated to a sharp pain. And then the dinosaur noises are kind of famous. So you just get this feeling of like the air bouncing up and down in your throat. And it makes these kind of frog or dinosaur noises that can get kind of loud. And if you're in a quiet room can be pretty embarrassing. Amy had gone back and forth to doctors for years without an answer. And so after a particularly uncomfortable experience with a fizzy drink, she turned to the internet. So I remember laying on the couch, like hyper salivating and feeling awful and Googling my symptoms and I found the Reddit group. Reddit is a network of communities called subreddits where people can share anything from news to celebrity gossip to their unresolved medical mysteries. The subreddit Amy had stumbled upon was called No Burp, where dozens of people were sharing their experiences with Amy's exact symptoms. It was a lot of people saying, you know, lay down flat, that helps. And people had some different kind of self-help things they'd tried. Once I kind of got what I was going to get from that group, I just kind of quit going there and sort of forgot about it until the psychologist told me about the podcast she heard. Amy went to see a psychologist for treatment of medical anxiety. She was worried her symptoms would make it impossible for her to do the necessary prep for a colonoscopy. She actually had heard a podcast about this no burp condition and she was like, I don't think this is a psychological problem. This is an actual problem that's recognised. In the years since Amy last checked in on the No Burp Reddit thread, her condition had been given a name, retrograde cricopharyngeal dysfunction, or RCPD. I was just like, I cannot believe this. You know, 50 years of people telling me I'm crazy and making this up. And here it is, it has a name. So the first thing I did is I texted my husband and I was like, hey, you know that thing where I can't burp? 
it actually is a real thing. It has a name and they can treat it with by Botox in your esophagus. And he just immediately responded in all caps, do it. with like 10 exclamation points. The man who gave the condition its name is Dr. Robert Bastian, who had become something of a celebrity in the Reddit community. I am a tertiary care laryngologist, voice swallowing airway, and so I think I've run into lots and lots of different very unusual things. And when I was first contacted about this, I had never heard of it and never seen a patient to my knowledge. Burping is a normal human function. I would imagine many of your listeners would say, well, I don't really burp that much. But if they pay attention, they'll discover they burp more than they think they do. When a person can't burp, they progressively kind of pump themselves full. The esophagus becomes stretched because it's full of air that can't be released upwards. The air goes down into the stomach. Now the stomach becomes overly full of air. Then the air eventually passes into the small intestine and into the large intestine. And finally, it's in the descending colon. And so every part of the GI tract is stretched and overfilled with air. And that is the source of every symptom. Dr. Bastian's first experience with this condition was in 2015. A man emailed him desperate for answers. He'd never been able to burp, and despite having undergone a battery of tests, he still didn't have a diagnosis or a solution. Dr. Bastian had one more proposal. He should get Botox injected into his esophagus. My thinking at that time is that it would be a diagnostic test. I wanted to prove that the issue was that his upper esophageal sphincter wouldn't let go to let him burp. I kind of remember thinking to myself, if this works, then his permanent solution will be a, a surgical solution. It'll be a myotomy, a surgical procedure in which you divide the ring-like muscle and turn it from an O into a U. Dr. Bastian's original theory was that the Botox would wear off in three to six months, and the symptoms, including the inability to burp, would return. So surgery would be necessary for long-term results. To my surprise, he and several other of the early group seemed to continue burping after six months. And I thought, well, how can that be? It's not yet known what causes RCPD, but one suggestion is that it's a failure very early on for the person to learn how to burp. It's unclear whether it's genetic or simply a physical anomaly. How do you explain that a person who's 18 or 30 or even 60 who says, I've never, ever been able to burp to my memory? How would you explain that a single injection of a medication that is only going to last for three to six months how would you explain that that fixes the problem? But I can't fathom how that could be unless there's a, a learning component or a sort of physical response. I called Bastion immediately and was like, hey, can I do a consult? I'm coming into town. Amy traveled 10 hours to Chicago to receive the Botox injection. It can be injected into the muscle through the side of the neck, but most of Dr. Bastian's patients receive it under anesthesia via the mouth. The Botox is injected into the cricopharyngeal muscle, 
And within a few days, the burps begin. So the first one actually happened the night after I got Botox, which is like really fast. Most people don't get it that fast. But my husband and I were in the hotel room. We'd driven halfway home that night. And when it happened, he was I was just like, oh, my God, it happened. And he was like jumping up and down in the hotel room, like yelling about it. It was pretty exciting. You want to see how you can harness those burps. So you're looking for a head position or a lowering of the larynx, like when you yawn and you figure out what can I do to make these burps that are going to happen, no matter what I do, it's going to happen. But what can I do to make that burp happen faster, louder, bigger? So what's the story in Australia? RCPD is being treated by a handful of specialists here. One of them is Sydney doctor Santosh Sanagapali. Probably about three years ago, I first had a patient come to me with this condition. By coincidence, I, I had actually uh, read about it just prior to her seeing me. She was very excited to hear that I had actually heard of the disorder because I think she'd seen multiple specialists in the past who had sort of dismissed her and, and didn't believe that there was anything wrong with her. Dr. Sanagapali has adopted a manometry test to confirm the diagnosis of RCPD rather than just going off self-reported symptoms. This esophageal manometry is a test where we measure the pressures within the esophagus uh, using a little probe that we put down into the stomach. And I basically challenge these patients by giving them something that would be really hard for them to drink, which, which is a fizzy drink. Normally when we drink fizzy drinks, we, we burp a lot. And in these patients, it becomes very clear what's happening because we see a huge buildup of pressure in their esophagus. And the special muscle at the top of the esophagus called the cricopharyngeus, we can see during the manometry test, it doesn't relax and open up, which is what happens in normal people, which allows them to burp. Dr. Bastian, however, doesn't undertake any diagnostic tests, which he admits might be controversial to some. If you need to design the manometry to prove the diagnosis, but you have this ironclad syndromic diagnosis already, in other words, do I need a fancy photometer to tell me that this wall in front of me is green? The first many hundred people that I treated had undergone everything known to man, but none of them received a diagnosis, and yet all of them were easily diagnosed using the diagnostic syndrome. To prove it manometrically is very lovely. And it's quite important for people to do that to add to the literature so that the understanding of other doctors is deeper. But for the individual patient, I think it's quite optional. But again, that will be a source of ongoing discussion. I do understand um, why he's averse to doing diagnostic tests, but I think it is important to do it and to make sure that it's not something else that's mimicking the condition as well. Some of the symptoms of RCPD can overlap with other conditions, and it can be difficult for even patients themselves to pinpoint what's going wrong. The experience of being dismissed by doctors only adds to the stress. 
I did not get Botox treatment until I was 50 years old. So by the time I got treated, I had so many different layers of anxiety about the whole thing. It has been over a year since Amy received the Botox injection and she's still burping. By Dr. Bastian's standards, she's considered cured. I am amazed at how little gas regular people have because they just burp it out when it happens. I am way more comfortable. My clothes fit better. I've gotten like way more adventurous about what I eat. My life is, is definitely better. For many people, they avoid searching their symptoms on the internet for good reason. With just a couple of clicks, a tickle in the throat can turn terminal. But for the no burpers out there, Googling their symptoms has gotten them treatment they might never have had. Dr. Sanagapali says it shows the positive potential of the internet. The story is also humbling for medical practitioners that we don't know everything and there are always new things to be discovered and new things to learn about. I love the idea that people can find a thing that is rare and unusual and unknown and then go take it to their physician. And I always say, find a physician who will listen to you and who, who won't uh, blow you off. Yeah, I just think doctors are often not comfortable admitting they don't know and, you know, trying things out. So what was really amazing to me is that this first doctor said, you know what, I've never heard of that, but I've got this Botox treatment, let's try it out. Well, that was Amy finishing that amazing story by Shelby Trainer. Well done, Shelby. And just a word of warning, the Botox is not entirely straightforward, not something to try at home. And you need to talk to somebody who's done it a lot before you do it. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.